Hey everyone, welcome back to the Reclamation Podcast, where our goal is to help you reclaim good practices for faith and life. My name is Tony, and I'm excited to bring you episode 79 of the podcast, where I get to sit down with author, speaker, hype man turned digital evangelist, Rashawn Copeland. Rashawn is infectious. I'm just telling you that uh, in addition to sharing a love for the United States Army, he and I love digital media, and he has just absolutely figured out a way to use it to bring people to Jesus. In our conversation today, we talk about his new book, Start Where You Are, and how it's all about beginning right where you are today in your relationship with Christ and asking the question, why am I here? Where am I going? And how is it going to bring glory to God? So I absolutely love this conversation. I think you're going to love Rashawn. He has so much to offer us. Hey, if you're a first-time listener, thanks so much for tuning in. If you're a long-time listener, I appreciate all your support do me a favor, would you, uh, we're trying to get to 100 reviews on iTunes by the end of the year. Please leave a review for us, a rating, a review, give us some stars. It really does help go a long way in finding, uh, helping others find the podcast. So, and if you're ready to become a part of our community, text the word reclaim to 66866. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. And without any further ado, here's my conversation with Rashawn Copeland. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. I am here with an incredible, uh, incredible guy, a former army guy, a pastor, an evangelist, a guy who's getting the word out, Rashawn Copeland. Rashawn, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Bro, thank you for having me, Tony. I've been waiting for this moment, man. Let's do it. Uh, So you've got this incredible new resource out, and uh, and I want to jump right into it. And I um, I, one of the things that I learned from a mentor, Ryan Hawk, he always said, Tony, whatever you do, anytime you get a book and you're getting ready to do a podcast, read the acknowledgements. Mm. And bro, bro, your acknowledgement almost brought me to tears before I even started the book. So I'm going to, I'm going to read it for the listeners who may not have picked up their copy yet. And, and it says this, it says to my dad. This book is for you because I know God is calling you. A yearning cry is reaching out from his heart, telling you to start where you are. You taught me what it means to love and lead a family, the importance of living a life of integrity and the love that makes life worth living. I love you more than words can say. I am so thankful to be Rodney Copeland's son. Mm, tell tell me about all of that man those are your words those are your words yeah yeah man literally it was just a heart cry uh for me to really convey to my dad that nothing he's done has been in vain uh even though he hasn't been a faithful follower of christ he's really uh he's exemplified what it looks like to live a life of a service of service and having a great attitude at doing it you know, all these years as I was growing up as a child. And it's just a beautiful thing just to see how God has used him, even though he hasn't, you know, necessarily been following Christ in my life, you know, but I want him to know he can start where he is. And it was a message that I was just basically saying, hey, dad, listen, you can bring all your mess to the cross. Like, you know, when your brother had committed suicide years ago, 
When you're a young boy, you can bring that to the cross. You know, whenever your dad walked out on you and he said he ain't wanted nothing to do with you, you can bring that to the cross. Like you can start where you are, dad, and he'll take you where you need to be. That's what I wanted him to know. He's dealt with so much hurt in his life. I wanted to be that man to speak life over his life, you know? I uh, do. I, I love it. Uh, I love it so much as just, um, I, I think fathers and sons have such an interesting relationship Yeah, as they, as they mature and, and we all mature differently. And our understanding of our heavenly father is different and what that looks like. Um, w- one of the themes that I seen in your ministry throughout is this idea about messiness. Mm. Can, can you give us a little context for some of your mess and, and what God has done with it? Cause yeah. that's a big part of your journey. Yeah, for sure. Like um, most of the time, you know, as I've navigated through life and I journeyed through life, the problem for me wasn't always the mess. Matter of fact, I loved the mess a lot of time. I loved the dirt that was in my life, you know, whether, you know, it was beneficial for me in a moment or, you know, whatever, whatever it looked like. But at the end of the day, when I realized that God has so much more for me, like there was so much greater for me, uh, and that my mess uh, literally, you know, yeah, yeah, was literally something that I was holding on to that I, I needed to give to God. That was when it changed everything, you know, when I figured that out, that God had his best for me amid my mess. And I needed to turn th- that stuff over to him, like pornography, you know, uh, going out and clubbing and <laughs> sensual desires. It was all about me. You know, I was a hedonist most of my life. And uh, when I realized that, you know, sin promised me so much, but it, like even fun and excitement and even freedom, but it delivered destruction and pain. And, you know, it was good for a moment, but it was only temporal, you know, the temporal stuff that literally broke my heart at the end of the day. I needed to come back in, you know, to the reality of only he can fulfill me and satisfy me and sustain me. Yeah, I think uh, the the aftertaste of sin is always bitter. Yeah, so and, true. And and so um, one of the things that I really like to focus on, and I know that there's somebody listening right now who who's probably in the midst of something that feels really messy. Mm. So, so I would love to hear about how practically what what action steps um, did you take, and what action te- steps would you recommend? Now, as as you've kind of been on the other side of this journey for some time, and maybe you learned something from the way that that you surrendered it, how, how do we begin to present our sins um, to the cross in a way that to get them off of our chest? Love it. First and foremost, I would just say do one of the toughest things, which is acknowledge it. Like, yeah, you know, David was so good about this. You know, when he committed that you know, crime, you know, against, he broke the law of God against Bathsheba. Uh, and he did all of this different stuff. He like went right to the Lord. He said, uh, one, he cried out to the Lord and, you know, he heard his cry. He lifted him up out of the mud and mire and, you know, he gave him a firm place to stand and things like that. But it was a st- he acknowledged his brokenness before the Lord. And I think it's so important for us to do the same you know, just admit our our brokenness. And I think that place of brokenness is where, you know, God, he stops us, he halts us, and he causes us to really see this dead end that we're living in. So, you know, in that moment when we realize we can't go no further without him, 
all that we have, all that we are, everything proves to be insufficient and it shows us how much we truly need them. And I just think that's so important for us to get to that place where we acknowledge that brokenness and, and come before God saying, I need you. I need help. He wants a broken and a contrite heart, you know? And, and I think that's where we can start right there with a broken heart crying out to God. And, and you've been there in your story. I, I would love to hear a little bit about that, about, about your a broken and contrite heart. Cause the guy that I'm looking at now is so full of joy that I don't feel like the screen or the room that you're in is going to hold you. And it's contagious, bro. Like I, and I see you on social media, uh, media and the way that you're, you're ministering to people. I, I can't imagine that in the midst of destruction of all the other things that you were that joyful. So, so take us through that journey in your life. Yeah, definitely. So most of my life on the outside, I had this appearance of, you know, just being happy, you know, mm-hmm. but deep down within me, I was miserable. Uh, and what's crazy about it, you know, happiness, happiness oftentimes deals with happenings, you know, what's happening in your life and what things you're going, what's going on and what you're going through. But for me, um, when I began to get to this place, uh, number one, where I realized football wasn't doing enough for me. Like our hearts are made for worship and football is the thing I was worshiping. But when I realized there was still a void in my heart as I was in high school as an athlete, um, I tried to drift off and go to the girl. You know, I tried to find that girl that can fill that void. Maybe, you know, maybe I'm missing something. So I would start dating a girl. And here goes a specific part of my story where God brought me to the foot of the cross. Um, my senior year in high school, a few weeks into dating the girl of my dreams, quote unquote, uh, I was at this park and we were hanging out, chilling, you know, doing what high schoolers do, listening to, you know, a little bit of rap music, 50s, right. get rich or not trying. And, you know, we're just chilling, hanging out. And out of nowhere, she gets a phone call. Boom, boom. And then me being that prideful, egotistical high school football player, future college football star. I snatched her phone out of her hand because I knew it was her ex calling. I, I was familiar with his name and who he was. And I, I, I take her phone. I answer it. And this guy says, yo, why are you with my girl? Why are you with my girl? Immediately as I'm on the phone with them. And I was like, your girl, that's my girl, bro. And, you know, and I want to share your ego is not your amigo. That was my ego at that point talking. And I just remember, you know, this guy telling me to meet him, uh, you know, where are you? I want to meet you. And me, unwise, in an unwise uh, way, tells him exactly where I was. And needless to say, you know, we hang up the phone. We put the music back on. Ten minutes later, a van peels into the parking lot. And, you know, they go and park right across the parking lot. Five guys jump out of the van. I ain't talking about burgers. Five guys. Right, right. <laughs> Yeah. So so they start walking towards us and I tell the girl, hey, sit here, don't move. You know, and I pridefully but fearfully get out of the car. I'm like, what am I getting myself into? So my mind's racing, my heart's beating. I'm walking across the parking lot trying to defend the honor of this girl. As I get closer to them and they're getting closer to me, one guy in fr- up front was the shorter guy, uh, which was her ex-boyfriend. He reaches okay. for his waistband. He grabs uh, the pistol out his waistband. He pulls it up in the air. 
and I'm scared out of my mind. Is this like a slow motion uh, move, drama, move, dramatic movie that was going down? And I couldn't rewind or fast forward or nothing. I was just stuck in the moment. And as I go to turn and I run, uh, I slip and I fall. He stands over me. Boom, boom. Two gunshots ring out. My heart begins to scream out. I jump up, I turn and I run. Uh, I didn't know if I was shot or not, but all I knew is I had to get away from that gun. I had to get away from those guys and I ran fast as I could. I dove at the passenger side of my car. I see these headlights peel out, knowing that it was them. I started thinking, no, they're gonna come and finish me off. I'm laying on the ground next to the passenger seat uh, on the concrete. And I'm worried out of my mind that they're gonna come up and just finish me off. And at this moment, I look into the car, the girl's gone. The girl, you know, that literally, you know, I was with and I was in love with, she was no longer there. But what happened was I was on this cold concrete and I felt this warm blood coming up my back. And at that moment, I knew I was shot. And I was just, I was, I was down and out, man. And I really began to get really fearful. And I was wondering what went through my mind was, why am I here? Like, how did I get here? And, you know, I started to think through, like, the girl's not here. Uh, my coaches aren't here. My homeboys aren't here. My parents aren't here. No one's here. But I'm so thankful, like, now that I look back in sort of retrospect, like, that God was there. And he met me right where I was amid my mess and all. Uh, and, you know, he, he sent a guy to rescue me, who I call an angel to this day, because I haven't seen him since. But he, he came in a pickup truck, grabbed me 20 minutes later after I was weaving in and out of consciousness, about to lose my life on the verge of death. And he took me to the hospital. And I never, yeah, never looked back at that moment. That's incredible, dude. That's incredible. Yeah. And uh, so so your journey from that cold concrete to where you are now, obviously, it's got so many twists and turns. But when did you start to recognize that you needed Jesus in your life? I didn't really, really recognize my need for him. I, I knew he was a big want at that time because I knew he was the only he was my last resort in that moment. The, the time uh, that sort of came uh, into fruition that I truly knew I needed him was many years later uh, after going off being that prodigal child, you know, and, you know, running after all these different things. And literally it all proved to be empty and utterly insufficient. Uh, and I was out in that lake. The moment I knew I needed him was when I was at the top of my career, you know, doing all the things that I dreamed of doing. I had the girl. I had the G-Wagon outside. I had the home in the valley. I had the amazing online sort of career, you know, influencer career as a hype man of a guy named Soldier Boy, like life uh, in, in from what, it, you know, from the standpoint of the world looked like I had it all together. I, I had it all good. And at the end of the day, um, whenever I was sitting in my house one night and the guys that I was in relationship, my homeboys, when they walked out on me, like God began to prune and take mm -hmm. away from me all in the same little, uh, in the same little frame of time, where the girl that was at USC that was the girl of my dreams, she walked out of my life. All this stuff began to get pruned and stripped, and at that moment, you know, in that little time, uh, I realized that 
this is not where it's at. I need to know why am I here? What yeah. is the purpose for my life? And as I'm about to commit suicide on this night, because I was, you know, wrestling like Jacob with the Lord, but also was going into, you know, there may not be a God. You know, the devil was throwing those flames at me. But here's the crazy part, bro. Here's where I knew this is it's over. I went and grabbed the pistol and I'm walking back down the hallway and it felt like an eternity as I'm walking down the hallway I'm about to end my life. And I get on my knees as I get into the room, put the pistol in my mouth. I'm shaking out of my mind. I'm nervous. I'm scared. You know, I'm on the verge of death. And, you know, as I put the gun down and I'm shaking, I put it back in my mouth. I put the gun down. I'm shaking. I put it back in my mouth and I'm, I'm wrestling. And I just remember at this moment, I was like, um, Lord, if, if you're true, if you're real, if you are who you say you are, just show me, reveal yourself to me. And I, I remember out of nowhere getting this, um, this, this thought, like if I were to squeeze this trigger and pull, pull the trigger and take my life in my life, number one, um, uh, and, and I, if I were to do this and I don't die, you know, I'm going to have to go through the same pain that I went through when I was 17, laid out on the concrete. And I don't want to go through that pain again. So I, I know the havoc that a bullet has on a human body. I don't want to go through that again. So that was what I thought. But number two, if I were to shoot myself and I do die and I don't have to go through the pain, but I do die immediately, um, I'm going to have to go meet this omnipotent, yes, omniscient, all-knowing, all-seeing God who's infinite in wisdom and knowledge and understanding. And he's loving but I'm going to have to meet the holy and just God of the universe as well. I'm going to have to give an account for my life. And, and then I began to think, like, like, I can't do this. I can't do this. And all of a sudden, I love that the Lord, you know, he's such an on-time God. He knows Amen. what we need, when we need it, where we need it most. And all of a sudden, a phone lit up. My phone lit up that was on the bed, bro, in that moment. And I was like, okay. Like, so I look at my phone. And that familiar blue icon, which was Facebook, uh, uh, the, this Christian girl was seeing, you know, writing out, singing out something that I needed in my deepest, darkest moment. And, and she wrote this verse and I'll never forget it. She was the only Christian girl that I followed. That's why I love what we do, Tony. I love how we devote our lives to reaching people, even digitally, you know, for Christ. But she wrote this. She said, oh, how wide, how deep. How vast the love of God is and nothing in all creation can separate us from this love that's found in Christ Jesus. Again, reading and reading, I began weeping and weeping. I cried out, I loaded my heavy soul that night to the Lord and uh, it changed everything. And I read it over 20 times, 20 times, and it really got into me that the Lord truly loves me. I sensed his presence. I literally, you know, I didn't know what I was doing as far as repenting, but I was repenting true godly sorrow over the sins and my filthiness, my utterly insufficient, you know, life that I had uh, lived before the God who loved me and created me and had a plan and purpose for my life. And that changed everything, bro. And it gets even deeper that night, but yeah, that's the idea of how it went down. Uh, one of the things I love about the way that you preach is you have such um, a good 
uh, theological stance on coming back to the Lord and, and this idea of repentance, right? Like, yeah. I, and when I, I love, I, I don't, you know, as a pastor, I don't think we often preach about repentance enough. Mm. If you were going to define repentance, if somebody's listening and they, 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 maybe they've fallen away from the Lord or they've just, they just got themselves into a mess that they just didn't even want. Yeah. What, what does repentance really look like practically and, and kind of, for uh, just an individual, because you kind of fell into it, but but as, as a spiritual practice, it's something that we all need. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So repentance, in, in essence, in a practical way to me, is like, it's a complete, like one, it's a 180 turn away from the direction you were going. Uh, and it's turning not only from sin and from, you know, that brokenness, but it's turning back to God. And in allowing God to begin to renew your mind and to change you according to the truth of his word, although we're not going to be able to, you know, sort of, we're not going to be perfect, but we truly need to seek progressively walking with God, being sanctified, set apart, changed, transformed according to his word and uh, his will and asking him for new taste buds on the tongue of our heart. That's what I think is so important that we just I love say, it. give me your desires. Give me yeah. You want your will, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Like it's it's a complete change of mind and attitude and and heart and desire uh, to do what pleases Him. And I think that's just so important. Repentance and living a life of daily repentance, like moment by moment repentance. Like God, change my mind about this. Show me that you know it's relational. You know, it's not some religious thing where you're checking off blocks. It blocks. And it's a legalistic type uh, deal where you, you're judging yourself. Like Paul said, I don't even judge myself. Or he said, don't even allow others to judge you. I don't let human courts judge me in 1 Corinthians chapter 4. But he says, uh, wait till the Lord judge, you know, wait till that time is right. But we should allow the Holy Spirit to convict us and convince us of which way we should be going every day. So you went from a uh, hype man to to Jesus follower and yeah. kind of this kind of epic night. What, what, what do you do the next day? Right. Uh, like, I, I mean, like the next day after this conversion experience where the Holy spirit clearly visits you, you, you know, saves your life on, on the, in the floor of your bedroom. Yeah. What, what happens on Tuesday, bro? I, I you know, I really went from the floor uh, to, to underneath the bed, in which yeah. I'll, I explain really quick, and this yeah. is the perfect transition into the next day. But after crying out to God and having this in awe moment, where I think it was uh, uh, Augustine that said this: "In my deepest, darkest womb, I seen the glory of God, and it dazzled me." It was mm. a night where I was just dazzled before God about you know, His glory and His goodness, and didn't know much about any of those Christianese, like quote unquote, words. But I was just amazed. But here's what really took it to another level, bro. Um, out of nowhere, I had this utterance, this prompting, this uh, sense that the Lord wanted me to look underneath that bed that night. And weirdly and strangely, I blind in blind obedience obeyed him and I went underneath the bed and there was a suitcase I had never seen before. And just to give you a little context of the text is that this house 
was somewhere where there would be plenty of talents and uh, singers and actors who would come in from all over, even the world, to audition at times uh, in the studios out in L.A., and someone had left their suitcase. So that just gives you some context real quick. But I look underneath this bed and I pull the suitcase out, click, click. I open it up, I open it up and there's dirty clothes on top. They didn't smell too well. <laughs> but, <laughs> but let me tell you, there was the greatest treasure sitting on the top of that suitcase that I'll never forget. Uh, but it was a book. Guess what book it was? The Bible. The B-I-B-L-E. Come on. Do you still have it? Uh, No. I really wish somehow, some way I lost that Bible. And here, like a, it's like a, travel, a traveling Bible, right? Yeah, exactly. God, that was, yeah, that's divine stuff right there. Supernatural stuff. It's something nobody else got it now. But uh, what's amazing, bro is uh, when I got that Bible and I opened it up, you know, the first thing that stood out stood out was the red letters. And of course it was the words of Jesus. Mm-hmm. But literally I began uh, to, to read it and it said this, this was the very verse I read. It said, um, he that wants to keep his life must lose it. But he that loses his life for my name's sake shall gain it. And then it mm-hmm. went on. I was like, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world? but yet lose his soul. Yeah, That word was speaking to me a thousand miles per hour, head on like a semi-truck right into my heart, man. And it was just crazy, bro. At that moment, I realized that my whole life, I've been chasing my plan, my plan, my plan, and I've lost sight that God's purpose will prevail in my life. And and thankfully, you know, uh, I took that Bible. Matter of fact, the Bible is the number one stolen book in the world, and I stole it that night. Uh, and the next morning, I actually uh, went on the city bus. I left everything, left the G-Wagon, left the house, left the clothes, uh, you know, just took one book bag in the Bible. And I get on the city bus, and I'm reading the Word of God as it reads me. I'm reading God's Word as it reads me. It's getting inside of me. It's breaking my heart. I'm being able to see myself in light of who I truly am, which is utterly broken again, right? Mm-hmm. It's sufficient apart from Christ. And as I finally get downtown, I get on a Greyhound bus. It took about four hours of just straight reading the Word of God. And, um, you know, Jesus didn't meet me on the Sea of Galilee. He met me on the Greyhound bus headed to Oklahoma. Like, and he's just sitting there just speaking to me. Uh, Come unto me, all who are weary and burdened, I will give you rest. That was like the first time I was reading this stuff. And unbeknown to me, I was being born again, moment by Mm. moment, as he met me right where I was, bro, and hit me where I needed it most. Uh, so why Oklahoma? Like so, all, all the places yeah. to go in the world, why Oklahoma? Uh, outside, it wasn't because Oklahoma is the buckle of the Bible Belt. Let me just tell you <laughs> that. You know, uh, but it was because my parents were uh, living here at that time. Uh, and also my brother was a student athlete in Oklahoma City at that time. And this is was where pretty much home was, you know, in yeah. Yeah. So you, you had this ginormous conversion experience. You get on a bus, you come home and you come home to a dad that is non-believer. Yes. Yeah. So I, I'm interested. Um, h- how does that, how does that translate to somebody who could otherwise say, I'm really proud of my son for the career he's making in the music industry. Yeah. And yet you, you gave it all up. You walked away, you come home. H- how do your parents, 
uh, dad specifically translate all of that kind of, I mean, to the outsider, right? If, if you weren't a Christian, that yeah. really looks like erratic, be- uncalled for behavior, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was really strange to them how I was acting. They Because they knew Rashawn, the Rashawn who would be at the clubs and the strip clubs and be around uh, dudes with, you know, these chains and, you know, the chains and the money, the cars, the women, you know, they couldn't really comprehend the process I was going through when I literally went into hiding for, for months with the Bible in my hand. And I would talk about this stuff online. Like there was a time where my parents would, would, would in a way say, that isn't my son right there. Like, you know what I'm saying? Right. In a, in a, in a, yeah, they just didn't know the power of God could change me. My brother was like, I don't believe that you're a Christian, dude. Are you kidding me? Like, and he would tell me things like that. And it took, he didn't, he had to come to me heart to heart. Even my parents had to come to me heart to heart one day, four years after me being a Christian saying that, Hey, Rashawn, I didn't believe you the whole time you were a Christian. We're just you know, we're just now seeing that you're for real about this walk with God. It took four years. That was like two years ago, bro. They told me that, wow, like God really changed your life, bro. So it took a long time. Like, I didn't even believe, I was shocked that I'm a Christian better yet. Like even a Christian author or a pastor, like, it's just crazy. So that was a process, bro. And I, I know everyone had to, to a certain degree, go through that. Um, you know, if you have like a, Pretty messy. We all have messy pasts, so, so I'm not, you know, uh, you know, negating or uh, belittling someone's past. But yeah, I just had a messy, messy life that it took time to get people to see really Christ in me. You know. So one of the things about your story that I think is so um, important for people to hear is the journey from where you've been to where you are. Yeah. Right. But you can't ever get rid of what, what's happened. Yeah. True. Right. And so now you're in a, in a really godly marriage, right. And you've got some incredible kids, some, yeah. some beautiful, some really adorable kids, by the way, well done. You too, bro. Tony, I love your family picture. <laughs> um, so, so, so how, how do you, um, how do you walk into a, a new relationship with a godly woman and, and deal with the mess of your past. Okay. And and then as your kids get older, and I know you have an older son, um, h- how do you, um, how do you reconcile all of that? Uh, speak to some of the parents out there who may be, um, who may be trying to figure out their walk with the Lord versus where they've been and where God's called them to in the future. H- how do we deal with the sins of our past with people? I mean, we know that God accepts yeah. it, but, but what do I do about, you know, my, my 14 year old or my 10 year old or my eight year old, you know, what do I do with them? Love that. That's such a great question, Tony, for, for me. And I know for many of us, uh, having this attitude, this mindset, um, really thinking like we truly don't deserve to be where we are now. It's all God's grace, his kindness, and he's so rich in mercy. So having this mindset, like I'm not approaching one First, we got to approach God and making sure we approach him correctly, you know, every single day. We don't come to him as a successful man yeah. or the successful leader, but we come to him as literally a sinner saved by grace who happens to be a saint now, you know? And what's amazing about that is when we start to do that, 
uh, will be humble not only before the throne, but will be humble before people. We'll be humble mm. before our loved ones, our wives, our children, our neighbors, our crazy cousin. You know what I'm saying? We'll be humble before everyone uh, because we know that our life is lived behind the cross as we follow Christ. You know, we're, 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 we're behind, you know, what Christ has already done and we're being led by him and not by ourselves. And, and I know, I hope I can put that in a practical way. Uh, but I just know that it just takes this perspective where it's truly e- eternal. It's eternal. It's more about Christ and ourselves. And it's more about having a service attitude than uh, it being about ourselves, you know? Well, I, I think what I really hear you saying is that if you're, if your focus is on Christ and you're yeah. humbled enough to share your, um, the pain of your past, then I guess you never really have to worry about the promise of your future. Yeah, there you go. Ooh, you know, that, and, and that, that I, I think that would, <laughs> yes, yeah, that'll definitely preach. There you go. Uh, and so, so you, you have kind of, um, really cut a niche in social media and, and I, I love it. I'm here for all of it. Um, how, how did you get into social media ministry and, and why is it so important, um, and, to, to be in social media ministry and, and kind of how, how did you even get started in that? Well, you know, it was just a passion. The digital world was really cool. You can literally, it gives you this sense of like, I can be everywhere at all times doing all things, which is sad, you know, cause it makes it feel like in a way you have this power, which is really not like this power omnipresence type feel, which it's not meant to, for us to do that. It's a great tool, but it's a terrible, you know, sort of idol. And I always have to balance that and look at it in a totally different way than I used to look at it. I used to look at it as a a resource that can give me a lot of power and things like that. But now I see it as a way to empower people to, to show up and saturate the, 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 uh, airwaves with the gospel versus going and adding, you know, gossip to the airwaves. So I'm just trying to find ways to go in and, you know, encourage people, you know, one who are in the body, you know, through stories, testimonies and different things like that. But number two is uh, going and finding the lost. We are here to seek and save that which is lost as Christ did. And I want to be a part of what God's doing there as well, because we're in a single largest communication shift since the printing press, you know, yeah. and everyone's attention is there. Huh? What, what will we look like as the church not showing up uh, where people's attention is? And I, I believe Paul would have been there if he was still here today, you know, hitting up Timothy through a text message. <laughs> <laughs> hey, so, so if you've never followed Rashawn on any of the social medias, I strongly recommend it. And one of the things that you do that I always watch and it gives me a little bit of like the cold sweats is when you start evangelize people in the parking lot, bro. Like uh, you do it on TikTok, and then you share it on Instagram usually. And, um, and I'm on both social media platforms, but, but the, the, it, it's like, uh, it's super intense. Where does your courage come from to just go up to someone and say, uh, Hey man, do you know Jesus or, or kind of like, how, how do you, where, where is that? Cause I'm telling you every time I see the video, I'm like, 
Yeah. Here it comes. Here it comes. You know, I don't know why it makes me so nervous. Yeah, bro. I love it. I love it. Um, there's just so much. Like, literally, you wouldn't have seen me do this a couple years ago. Sure. I prayed for a long time that God would give me a fear for him, like mm. a respect, a, a reverence for him and his word. So, like, Lord, hide your word in my heart implant it in me. Give me a place where I can hold on to the truth firmly and, and speak it in love to the world. So I, I ask for that. But number two, my love and compassion for people. If we truly are believers and yeah. we know that there is something on the other side of this life, heaven and the hell, we will go with all our hearts to make sure we, we meet those people where they are with the gospel that they need more than anything uh, this world will offer. So like, I just think about that, like, God, give me the humility and the compassion to meet people where they are with your gospel, with your truth, because it will transform them not only now, but for all eternity. Because it did it to me. He did it to me. Right. Right. Well, and yeah, I used to have a mentor that said, if we really believed in hell, we'd be out stopping cars to tell people about Jesus. Yeah, And and that's literally what you're doing. A lot of times you're, you're talking to families, you're talking to all these people. Uh, So I did wonder what's the strangest thing that's ever happened to you um, while you're uh, evangelizing or, or speaking or sharing the gospel with somebody on one of your kind of, uh, um, it, it almost looks like a drive-by gospel presentation because you because you just kind of roll up in your car, you roll yeah, your window yeah. down, and then you just begin to die. You use that million-dollar smile, and then you begin sure. to to dialogue with them. If you've never seen it, that's what kind of the the process that I've seen multiple times. What's the weirdest thing that's ever happened? Awesome! I'm glad you said weirdest because at the end of the day, I'm so thankful. I I, I haven't been like Stephen and been stoned to death or something. <laughs> I know. Listen, <laughs> we're all thankful for that, man. You you got work to do here, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, love it, bro. Love it, Cody. So I would say the absolute most strange thing that's happened is one day I pulled up to this place called Tent City in my city where a large amount of the homeless population lives. And one of the guys, he was a younger guy, uh, but he, you can tell he went through a lot. He looked really old, but he was really a younger guy. I got to know him after this, but needless to say, when I pull up, he literally, to share with him the gospel, he literally not knowing me at all. He gets into my passenger side of the door. He just sits down and he's like, what's up, man, where are we going? Like, and it was just strange. You know what I'm saying? But at the end of the day, there was a door that opened to where I could just sit down. We sat down for like two, almost two hours and just talked about his life and what God has, you know, done in his life and things like that and the ways he's, he's drifted away from Christ. But now we still have this long term ministry, you know, ministry, like I still like connected with him and stuff and trying to figure out ways I can disciple him and love on him and stuff like that. And he's finally got into his new place and. But the, that was just weird. Like, no one ever has just walked up and got into my car. Like, I was scared. <laughs> well, if I could have told you how scared I was that day. Well, I mean, it's, I mean, honestly, you've got some, uh, I mean, obviously, you've got some some trauma in your life, right? Like, yeah. I, I mean, I, I think sometimes, and I think there's probably an important lesson here, right? Your, your trauma, your past trauma can keep you from God's current, you know, promise yeah. right like because because yeah. it, it will i mean i would have locked the doors bro i i like i'm yeah. not even just like oh you know i was actually talking to the other guy the quiet one you know yeah. that's the quiet one exactly <laughs> and i think i think god was teaching me something there like he didn't come over 
to, you know, be an enemy to me or anything. He came over to befriend me. And I think about it through the lens of the gospel. Like Jesus came way before we were ready, right? Yeah. And God demonstrated his love for us all while we were sinners. Christ died for us. So he came to us. That's what he did for us. And I think in the same way, that guy came to befriend me. But of course, fear got in the way, but perfect love cast out all fear. So mm. I was able to get that love connection with him a little bit after that fear had, you know, sort of diminished. But yeah, I, I totally get it, bro. Do you think, um, do you think that the, the process of, of both doing the evangelization and, um, and, and sharing it on social media, how, how have you seen that kind of change the, your, um, your social media landscape? Because well, as I kind of looked at this and I was you were watching some of your stuff, I was like, you know what he's doing? He's evangelizing twice. Yeah. Oh, it got you. Because not only is he sharing the gospel with the guy that he's walking next to, but by recording it, he he's he's. I mean, there's something happening here. How how did you how did you begin to realize the power of that megaphone when um, I, you know when that when that started really unfolding in your life? I love it. You know, um, when I I started going out there, I didn't have any intention to be just going up recording people. Yeah. But there was an accident. There was a scenario where I was already doing a little uh, video and a guy walked up to me as I'm doing a video sharing about the guy. You know, it was a quick little TikTok video. And I think we could probably go back and visit it. But as I'm doing it, there was a homeless man that walked up to me as I was talking about these people out here are hurting. They need help. This guy walks up to me and literally uh, as he butts in and says something, I can't remember what he said. But then uh, after he finished talking, I was like, and, you know, do you know that Jesus loves you so much? And God sent his one and only son, who is Jesus, to die on the cross for you. And like I shared basically the gospel and how he rose again and like and it just blew up. It exploded that video. And I realized there's some potential here yeah. to really get some of the next generation to one, hear the gospel as it's preached, to give them the courage to go out and share the gospel with others. But number two uh, is to, yeah, have a way where it's shareable, where other people can hear the gospel online, real time, and get not only the reactions of what the gospel can do, but the response of how people can respond to God and how they do respond to God. So, Yeah, I, I, what I appreciate about it the most is that it feels so spirit-led to me. That it, it's not, um, it's not for sometimes things. And even I've created a lot of content that sometimes is a little forced, right? Cause you know, it, in my head, I'm like, Oh, I've got, you know, I want to put something out today. Cause I kind of have a, you know, a social media calendar or whatever, all the stuff yeah. that, you know, because you, you don't want to get consumed by it. You're trying to create balance. And so the calendar is supposed to have to do that. And, but y- your stuff is so spirit led. So one of the questions that I love to ask spirit led people is, how do you hear the voice of God in your life on the on a regular basis? Wow, love that, bro. So, uh, one thing I'm thankful for, and I'm so used to. I'm a I'm a guy who naturally performs. I'm an ch- achievement addict. I typically go after you know the the louder voice, the louder thing, the thing that looks the best. And yeah, things like that. but I'm so grateful that uh, you know I forgot who was it in the scripture like. God wasn't in the mountain, you know, in the fire. He wasn't in the earthquake. 
uh, but he was in the whisper. Yeah. So thankful that God, he does whisper to us. He talks to us all throughout the day. So what I try to do is lean in one by meditating on the word every single day, the scripture, because, you know, the scripture will always back his whisper, you know, and I, I think at times, you know, we try to get caught up on just hearing the, the rainbow voice of God that we forget his written word is already spoken, mm. getting after, you know, what he's already told us to do. He's already spoken, but he does want to intimately speak to us every single day through the Holy Spirit. And, uh, and I just, yeah, I just try to hear his voice through one creation, through, you know, what am I meditating on in this moment? Where are my thoughts at now? Uh, and Lord, how can I make my thoughts your thought in this moment? And, uh, he makes it clear though, bro. He makes it clear. I have I, a wonderful spirit is big too. Like having a spirit of worship mm. begins to highlight things you never would imagine being highlighted. That when you're in the car, listen to worship, maybe the Lord will speak through that worship song and he said, turn it, you know, tell you to turn it down and just talk to him. Like he speaks through everything, man. You know, well, and I, I think one of the things that I'm hearing is, is that just over the years, you've practiced listening enough to know, to hear it. Yeah. Right. Like it, about creating that space in a sense that we have to create space for God to speak to us. And then we have to be courageous enough to actually mm-hmm. listen and then, and then be obedient. Right. Which is what you do all the time is that obedience when you go out and you yeah. share the gospel with people and you know, that, that like kind of all the time, but there's some times where I would pull up to a grandma that looks like a Goliath. And I, <laughs> I'm scared to share it with her, but I just shared it with a gang member, but I'm scared to share it with the grandma. It's so weird. Uh, uh, well, I, I mean, it make, but it makes sense though, right? Like yeah. uh, one of the things I was an army recruiter for a while. And I know that we share that the, uh, connection to the army. Uh, and one of the things that they always used to say is that you're most likely to recruit in your own image. Wow. Dang, that's good. And so, so the truth is, is we're most likely to evangelize the people that look like us or share a story like us. Wow. And so, so somebody who looks different, acts different, might be different. That's much harder because they've been in a different season of life. One that we don't yeah. know about. That is so good, Tony. I love that. Thank you for your service too, bro. Hey, so yeah, I, I, how many years were you, you were a medical service uh, officer in the army, right? How many years were you in? What was the experience like? And, and thank you for your service. Thank you, bro. So yeah, nine years I was in. Uh, first three of those years were in ROTC. That was a, a cadet uh, okay. in the ROTC program in college. But yeah, I really enjoyed it, bro. Spent a little time, uh, you know, as an officer and really enjoyed that. But never was one of those stellar officers that, you know, really, I don't think I was that good of, of a, you know, Army officer. I, I thought I really spent a lot of time just, like, you know, enjoying people and things. like. I don't think I was that good at being a, a Army officer, though. Now to to put it in your timeline, uh, where where was that in your timeline in terms of you you weren't a Christian yet while you were in the army, correct? No, you, well, not initially. So I got out of the army last year. So I was uh, the last three years of my time in service. I was a born again Christian, but before that, yeah, I was just a, a guy, you know, getting that check, enjoying the time, staying physically fit, wearing the the little you know, rank on my chest and just loving that aspect of it. But 
didn't want to get deployed, didn't truly want to be a part of get too deep into it because I knew I wouldn't be in it forever. So I was yeah. always looking at, at the next dream, the next thing. And that was just my mentality, bro. I, so I, it's interesting. I, I love to talk to pastors um, who have been in the army because I think that the church is the most common thing to the army that I've ever experienced, right? Yeah, big time. So, so if you, yeah, well, and, and if we think about like the warrior ethos, right? I will always place the mission first. I'll never accept defeat. I will wow. never quit and I will never leave a fallen comrade. It's Woo. like it's like the gospel presentation wrapped up in the in the warrior ethos and the army didn't even know it, but God knew it, right? In a nutshell, you better preach it. I didn't even know. See, I'm gonna use that one day, but I'll steal it every day, man. Every day. I I think um I I also think that one of the things about the army and the church as as ministry leaders that can happen that we don't often think about is that you can um let the army consume you just like you can let the church consume you. And so um how do you maintain balance in your social media life? You know, you've got this incredible book out. You've got a beautiful family. How, how do you balance it all in a way that that keeps you healthy? You know what? That's a really good question because I was terrible at this all the way up until the beginning of this summer uh, because, you know, all the weight and pressure felt like I just finished a book. This is going to be like my debut book and I'm excited about it. Uh, but there's so much weight, you know, the public, yeah. the agents, the you know, I don't not know. to mention COVID, right? Yeah, COVID took put more pressure on me. But here's the thing: I'm so grateful that we have a God who disciplines those He loves. Yeah, so, uh, I feel like there's a purpose behind the pain that I'm going through right now with this herniated disc, and I just think that was a way for God to to slow me down a lot and to get me to reprioritize the things that matter most, which is one, number one, his, his mission, his ultimate mission, then marriage, you know, and then ministry after mm. that. But I, I just think he really got me back to a place where uh, I'm, I'm at his feet. I'm in the private room before I go out in public and try to do all this. And I'm spending time with my family, my children more than I'm going out trying to minister out on the, the road and streets, because if I can't take care of my own house, you know, what? how can I take care of God's church? You know? So I just think I'm so great, grateful for that. Cause I wasn't in this season for the longest time, sure. straight ministry, straight, you know, trying to, um, yeah, yeah. See success in those areas, but I'm so glad God, yeah, he slowed me down, man. I love it. Now, if, if you're listening to this podcast, I want you to press pause and I want you to do me a favor and I want you to pray for Rashawn's back right now. He's wow. got a herniated disc and Lord, we just declare healing over that back in yeah. Jesus's name and, and just do me a favor and say a prayer for his back right now, Lord, so that he can go back out and in a balanced and healthy way, continue out the mission, Lord. We just claim healing over it in Jesus's name. Jesus. Amen. Man, thank you, brother. It's so needed. Woo! It's like a thorn in my side, a messenger of Satan, like Paul said. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, so a year from now, what, what are we celebrating about what this book has done in the world? I would hope, bro, uh, a year from now that, one, God would have used this book uh, to not only just share uh, a lesson or have people learn lessons out of my life, but they would be touched by him, mm. by the Holy Spirit of God that yeah. literally go and change and transform their 
their hearts, the people who read it for eternity, you know, and that they would be people who would rise up in such a time that we live in now and go and be conduits and expressions of his glory everywhere throughout the earth, you know, create a remnant now. Come on. Come on. That'll freak you. That's so good. That's so good, man. Uh, okay. So I know that the people are going to want to follow you all over the interwebs. Uh, you, you've got your hand in a little bit of everything and I love it. Uh, wh- where's the best place for people to get to know you better and get to know some of the things that God is doing through you better? Amazing. Thank you, Tony, so much. And do, do you do this for a living? Because you're so good at Oh, uh, thank you. <laughs> no, no, I, I, I don't. I do this for fun and I, I'm so thankful for it. Love it. Okay, because you're a pastor, though. I am. I, yeah, my pastor at church here in Southwest Ohio. And, uh, and and the church lets me do it. And I'm so thankful for that. I'm, I love Amazing. it. Awesome, brother. I'm going to have to get you on my show here really soon, too. We'll, we'll chat and stuff. Come on. But, uh, I was, uh, so you can, anyone listening in, you can find me at Rashawn Copeland on any platform. You can just search it in the book, uh, Start Where You Are, uh, on Amazon or anywhere you can buy books. And yeah, look forward to connecting with you all. I, I'm a guy who typically tries to answer back everyone who DMs because we know the power of connection and communication between brothers and sisters. Let's go. <laughs> okay. Uh, la- last question. I always love to ask people. It's an advice question, right? Okay. And it's a, it's a, give yourself uh, your own piece of advice. Right. And so I'm going to take you to a very specific time. And, um, the time that I would like to take you to is, um, the, the day after you were shot. Right. And so you've had this traumatic experience and now, um, knowing what you know now, what would, what would pastor Rashawn go back and tell a younger version of yourself? What I would tell a younger version of Rashawn, excellent question. What I would tell that younger version of Rashawn, I would keep it really simple. It may sound like a little zinger, but broken hearts can't be mended when they're left unattended. Say it again for the people in the back. All right, gotcha. (laughs) Well, broken hearts can't be mended when they're left unattended. Oh, dude. The idea of that is just anything that we don't address, you know, we got to sort of like be like AAA. Think about AAA. When they come up on a, a car that, that's down, they, they they not only assess it, they address the problem, and then they advance forward with whatever it is. We got to be the same way. We have to address, you know, and assess in, before we can advance into what God is calling us to do. So I just want to encourage somebody bring your brokenness to God. You know, uh, you may feel as if your traumas and being assaulted, like when I was shot down, gunned down, I carried that for many years until I came to Christ. You know, my teacher told me never pick up a pen and walk, or she told me never to pick up a pen and write again. That, that I was a weak writer. I held on that to, to, for 26 years, hated writing, hated reading all these years because my identity was wrapped in that. You know, um, and again, the last thing, whenever I would pull up to gas stations and go to neighborhoods, uh, I would always have my head on the swivel looking around, making sure nobody was going to come up to me and gun me down because that fear, like my heart was still broken all those years. And I would Mm. look at brothers, quote unquote, or, you know, I'm speaking from the standpoint of a black dude, quote unquote, that, you know, looks like me, my age, my height, that resembles that gang member. 
that uh, shot me down. And I will look at him as if he's my enemy. And I don't even know the guy. And I'm walking through an airport or a mall. Like I held on to all this brokenness for so long uh, that it ended up tragically, you know, being detrimental in my life uh, throughout that whole time until I met Christ. So I would just say broken hearts can't be mended when they're left unattended. Take it to the Lord. Uh, I love it so much. Uh, Rashawn, thank you so much for being so incredibly generous with your time today. It means so much to me, and I'm so incredibly thankful. Thank you, Tony. God bless you, brother. Thank you. Right? Isn't that just an amazing episode? I love his courage in the faith, the way he does ministry, just everywhere he's at. It's, it just oozes out of his very presence. I'm sure you could sense that in uh, in the conversation. And I think that uh, he is just such a blessing to so many people in the kingdom of God. Hey, do me a favor. Go uh, follow Rashawn on all the social media platforms. Hook up with him. Let him know that you appreciate him being on the podcast and what a great episode it was. Also, do me a favor. Don't forget to leave that rating and review and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, I can't wait to bring you future episodes. God is doing so much cool stuff through this platform, and it wouldn't be possible without your help and support. Thank you guys so much, and I look forward to connecting with you next week.